Well, good morning. You know what? We talk about Christ. We talk about his forgiveness. We talk about his sacrifice. We talk about how he loves us and reaches out for us and he lives for us. Question, how should that affect how I live? How should that affect how I think, how I act, how I react within the church and within the community? How should Jesus work on the cross, his living and loving, change who I am? Today, we're simply looking at that question, created to love, living a gospel-centered life. That's what it's all about. We're going to be looking at the book of Philemon today. And the ushers, we're going to ask you to come forward. Uh, They've got some Bibles in their hands. If you do not have a Bible, we're just going to be walking through the book of Philemon. Just raise your hand. We'd love to get a Bible to you so you can follow with us. Uh, If you raise your hand, they'll get one to you, okay? Like I said, we're starting in Philemon here today. And uh, this is the close on the sermon series Created to Love. This is an awesome little letter. It's a very quick, brief but very direct challenge from Paul to a guy named Philemon. That's why it's called Philemon. And as we're looking at this book, what we want to watch for is simply this. How should I live a gospel-centered life? How can I live reflecting who Jesus is? That's what we're watching for. First point, he just says, be refreshing. Let your love for God and others shine. Be refreshing. Let your love for God and others shine. Now, before you look at that and go, oh, come on, you made that up. Let's just jump right to verse, um, what is it? Verse uh, 7, and then we'll come back and we'll kind of walk through this. Verse 7. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Have been refreshed. How do we refresh people? How did he do that? Glad you asked. Let's back the truck up and we'll start at verses one and two here and we'll just kind of walk our way through. Be refreshing. That's the challenge. He starts out, Paul is just writing this letter. He says, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker and Aphia, our sister and Archippus, our fellow soldier and the church in your house. He's basically writing a letter, a personal letter. And he says simply this, hey, fellow worker, beloved fellow worker. Paul is saying, you matter. Let me encourage you a little bit. You're making an impact. Let let me encourage you a little bit. You are important to the work of Christ. Encouraging people. It's a great step. And Paul here is encouraging Philemon, the one who he later says is the refresher. He says, grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a great way to start out. Paul starts a lot of his letters out that way. Let me just say, God pouring out to you. That's my prayer for you. God pouring out to you. Now he gets into the meat of it. Verse four here, he says, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers. Why? Because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have. Love and faith. You want a recipe for refreshment? Love and faith. We have a heart that beats for someone else. We have a heart that longs for them. We want their good. We want their best. We want to come alongside. We care about what's going on in their life. Whose? Who did he have love and faith for? It says right after it. Love and faith for the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. 
Love God, love others. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. You, Philemon, you're doing that. You're reaching out and you're reaching up. You're making an impact right where you stand as you talk to the people around you, as you spend your time quietly with the Lord. You are love as you reach to those around you and you're making an impact. Thank you for sharing your love and faith. The challenge is to make sure that we have a heart that beats for him. To make sure that we long for him, that we wish for him, that we want our God shown off. That we want to say thank you with all that we have. That we want to lift him up and glorify him with all that we've got. Love the Lord your God. I mean, we're talking every single week in here about how to have a passionate, powerful relationship with him. That's a good starting point. Really know him. Long for him. Go after him with all you've got. Love and faith. Really believe in him. Trust in him. Want to know what he wants. And follow after him with all you've got. As he says, step out, you say, okay. Really? That can get a little complicated. Like, what if my life and my family are going really well and everything is great and God's asking me to do something that's a really big stretch? Maybe I can just say, not right now. And, well, that's not love and faith. It's, God, I want to give you my whole heart. Where are you moving and where do you want me to go? Is it right next door? Is it right down the block? Is it a country away or a continent away? Where do you want me going, Lord, so that my faith and my heart are beating for you with all I've got? Love and faith, going after him with all you've got. But more than that, going after the ones around you, caring for them, hurting for them, praying with them, wanting the best for them, knowing that whatever they're going through is something that you can put your arm around and come alongside in. To have a love for others where, where your heart hurts for them, where your priority becomes them before you. Where you actually say, it's me third place. It goes Jesus, others, you. Have you ever heard that acronym? Joy, Jesus, others, you. It's a simple way of thinking through, what should I be thinking about priority-wise? I want it to be about God first and I'm going to pour out with all I've got. And then I want it to be about looking to those around and who God is trying to meet and touch and change and work within. And how can I be a part of that? And then lastly, Lord, what about some needs that I've got going in my own life? Jesus, others, you. He's simply saying this, Philemon, you've got your priorities straight. Philemon, you know where you're headed. You've got a love, you've got a faith, you've got a passion, you've got a hope, you've got a desire, and it's working and it's moving. Simply, I release my little blue balloon for you all the time. For those of you who were last week, you're like, okay, I get that one. And for those that are new, you're like, I have no idea what he just said. At the end of last week, we had an illustration about a church that released blue balloons as a thank you at the end of one of their services. And the question is, are we releasing ours or are we holding on to them? Make sure you're always saying thank you. Make sure you're always releasing and saying, thank you, God. I see what you're doing. I see your hand at work. I'm excited about what's happening. I'm excited about how you're working in this person's life. Continue to move. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. He goes on from there. He says, I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. 
Now, some of you are like, what? He said, what? That can be a little complex. If we actually look at it, he's simply saying this. If you do what you're asked to do, and if the truth of you gets out, the sharing of what you have, the faith you have, the love you have, not only will you know more about who Christ is, but those around you will know more about who Christ is. You are going to gain an intimate personal knowledge of him as you practice love and faith. Why? Because that's who he is. And as you practice his character, you're never going to be the same again. You will constantly be shaped and formed. Love and faith. Let's have a full knowledge of our God. Can you imagine that? The infinite pouring into the finite. And we actually have a chance to be shaped by him. To learn of him. To know more of him. To be able to come to a personal knowledge that's deeper tomorrow than it is today. Let's go after a full knowledge of him. Through our love and our faith. He says, for the sake of Christ. Always back to his glory, right? It's never for us. It's about lifting him up. Praise be to God. And then verse 7. I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. You get the picture. You're working and you're moving and you're allowing God to use you. Your hand is being used in the lives of those around you by God himself. You're an impact player. You're refreshing. You know, uh, my, uh, my family went on vacation this summer. And uh, we went on our way down to the ocean. We stopped halfway there or whatever it was, 16-hour drive. We stopped halfway there and stayed at uh, Jonna's dad's place in Knoxville. And uh, we honestly weren't sure what the day was going to be like. What the, we were there for a day and a half. We ended up going up into the mountains to uh, an area where there was the rivers were flowing. It was just north of Pigeon Forge. So for those of you who have been around that area, <clears throat> it was a lot of fun up in the mountains. There was uh, this river water flowing. And it, honestly, we were a little bit hot. I was a little bit hot. John probably wasn't because it was below 92. But it, it, I was a little hot. We're in the van and, and we're driving. And I'm getting the sun beaten down on me. And I had worn my swimsuit. I was prepared. Like I knew we were going to be around the water up there. And the kids had their swimsuits. So we were prepared, right? And we got out at this place that was a little favorite spot for um, Jonna's dad and my stepmom. And as we stepped into the water there, just kind of into our ankles, it was, um, it was refreshing. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like it was, uh, it was a little on the chilly side. But I'll tell you, you woke up a little bit. Like I didn't see anybody and there were, there were a half a dozen of us who were standing in that creek water. Nobody was kind of going like this, you know, where they kind of had this sleepy look about them. You know what I'm saying? Everybody standing in that water was like, "Woo, yeah, that's good. You know what I mean? And they're kind of moving around a little bit. You're kind of hopping around. You know what I'm saying? Kind of had this. And and there's this waterfall just a little bit over from us. And and it wasn't a big one, but it was probably, I don't know, four foot waterfall, three foot something. And, and so I said, hey, kids, let's go under the waterfall. And they're like, what? I said, seriously, come on, let's go. So, so I crawl out on the rocks and, and get underneath this waterfall. And this water is just pouring down over you. And I mean, it was on the very cool side. But you certainly got woken up and refreshed. And as this water is pouring over, the kids came out and they sat on my lap. As they, kind of, they weren't about to sit all the way under, but they sat on my lap. And as they sat there and I held on to them and this water is pouring over all of us and we were laughing and we were joking and there was this sort of this energy about it all. Do you know what I'm saying? We have that chance within the church body to be the waterfall 
that pours over other people, that refreshes, that brings energy, that brings life. We have a chance that when people come around you, they simply walk away going, Woo! you know what I mean? Like, man, I'm just picked up a little bit. Do you know what I'm saying? That's who we have the chance to be. Be refreshing. To, to have people walking away from you different because they met your love and your faith at a point of need, at a point of hurt. Maybe just in a point of joy as you celebrate with them. You have that opportunity to look around and say, where do you want the waterfall poured today, God? Let's go. Let's just liven this place up for your glory and for your honor. What do you want me doing? Who do you want me talking to? Who can I bring a little bit of refreshment to? A little bit of love, a little bit of faith. May you be lifted up as we reach out. Be refreshing. Who is it that you could be reaching out to? Think for a second. Got a name or two? Somebody you could encourage. Somebody you could thank. Somebody maybe you could even minister to or reach out to with some physical needs that you take care of. Maybe you just pray with them, hurt with them, listen to them. How can you be that waterfall that pours over somebody else? Who is it? Or maybe you're one that's in need. Maybe you've been a giver and you need to allow yourself to be a receiver for a little bit. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you are like, I don't get it. Others you're going, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. If you're a giver, you often tend to kind of resist the receiving. But the reality is we need to be both in balance. Maybe this is a time for refreshment for you of healing. Maybe you're new to the body and you've come from a very hurtful environment and you're not sure what's going on. This is a place to just take a relaxed moment and we get refreshed. That's okay. It's not wrong. It's biblical to sit in the love and the faith and the flow of a healthy place and be replenished. Don't worry. You'll have your chance to give. Maybe it's just time to receive right now. Be refreshing. Be refreshed. Let's go hard after being a body that knows how to reach out with love and faith and leave someone different for having been there. Different where they're pumped up to know God more and be more like him. Amen? Be refreshing. That's the first challenge. Second challenge point that comes out of this. Be forgiving. Let the forgiveness you've experienced be your model. Let the forgiveness you experienced be your model. Be forgiving. You know, we start out here. This is a, uh, an interesting little section. Paul says, uh, Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. He's basically saying this. I'm an apostle. I have authority. I have position. Truly, this letter could just be uh, orders of service. But that's not what I want it to be. I'm calling you to relationship. I, I could just demand. And as an apostle, get it. And if you don't give it, we got some issue. Get in line with authority. But I want more than that. I'm appealing to you. I'm asking you. And he says right after it, I prefer to appeal to you. And then he goes into his personal call. So here's Paul's personal call. It's not, I'm an apostle. Listen to me. God's used me to start some churches, including the one you're in in Colossae. Please come alongside of me. That's not what he says. He says, I'm an old man and I'm a prisoner. 
Now, he's not saying I'm an old man, like, give me some respect and wisdom. He's saying, come on, I'm feeble. I'm losing some energy. I'm in prison. Will you just hear me? Hear my relational call to you and respond to it, Philemon. Please hear me. What's he talking about? We're going to find out as we get into verses 14 through 17 here that this is what he's talking about. Philemon is a pretty rich guy. He's doing pretty well for himself. And he owns a number of things, including a slave named Onesimus. And this slave ran away, took off. We're not exactly sure why. Here's a couple of little stats for you. Uh, At that time in Italy, about 20 million slaves existed. They basically said throughout the Roman Empire, one out of every three people was a slave at that point in time. The, The word slave could be used at various levels. So, I mean, you know, but we have to consider this. Working for someone else, owing them something. Freedom, not one of your words right now. One out of every three. That's a big deal, you know? So when he's writing this letter to Philemon, he's basically saying, look, we're dealing with a very real problem that many people are going to come into. Let's be careful about the example we teach. I want you to think this through. Onesimus, a slave who's run away. We're not sure why. We're not sure when. But what we do know is Paul's recommending the slave return. And he's got some thoughts. So let's go into it a little bit. He says, after he's pleaded with them as an old man and a prisoner, not as an apostle, verse 10, here's his appeal. I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Oh, now here's some information. I became his father. Let me tell you something. Yes, Onesimus, he, he ran away from you. I understand. He didn't do what he was supposed to do. I understand. Possibly what happened is you trusted him with some money and sent him away to do some business. And on the business trip, he decided, why not keep the money and stay away? Maybe that's what happened. We don't really know. But what we do know is somehow he came into contact with Paul, who was in prison. Now, we're not sure how that happened. Maybe he was put in prison. Maybe not. Maybe he ran into some friends of Paul and they got him in touch with Paul. He was certainly in a lighter form of prison imprisonment at that time. What we do know is this. Paul shared Christ. What Paul didn't do is say, you filthy slave, get back home. What he didn't say is, you ridiculous sinner. Do you realize what you did? What he said was, you need to know my God. Let me introduce you to him. And as he walked him through who Jesus Christ was, Onesimus ends up becoming a believer. And Paul says, I'm his father in Christ. I was able to be a part of watching him come to know Jesus. He says a little more. He says, not only uh, was he somebody that came to know Jesus in imprisonment, verse 11, formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. Okay, this is one where the whole body reading this letter would have chuckled because the word Onesimus means useful. That's, That's what the name means. So a lot of slaves were actually named that. You know, it's basically, come here, useful. Right, you hear it? It's like, you're very useful to me, right? Live up to your name. Do you know what I'm talking about? So he named him useful. He's saying, yeah, I know he was useless to you. I know he wasn't living up to his name. But let me tell you, with Jesus Christ in his life, he's living up to his name. Let me tell you something. With heart change, oh, he's living up to his name. He is becoming useful. That's who Onesimus is. Jesus Christ in his life has made him a completely different person. Heart turned, head turned, everything is reversed. He is 180 and he's headed back at God Almighty. He is useful. 
That is my child in Christ. Paul's coming to bat for him. That's verse 11. Verse 12, he says, I'm sending him back to you. I'm sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be under compulsion, but of your own accord. In other words, Paul's saying, he's so useful, I'd like to keep him with me right here. I could be sending him out and doing errands each day and praying with him and growing with him and training him. And I could see this really working for us, but I don't want to take from you the opportunity to give. Have we heard that phrase before? Not to give under compulsion. Remember that from last week? Like This is Paul's theme. I want giving to just be this overflow of the heart. I want you so excited and so thrilled about what Jesus is doing in your life that you just can't help but give, give, give. It is just lavishing out because you've been poured into. That's what I want you to experience. Full joy, rocking you to the core, pouring it out on those around you. Do you know what I'm talking about, Philemon? This is not a demand. I want you to be able to enjoy watching this thing come to great restoration. Praise be to God. He's challenging him to make sure that it's of his own will. Not that you've been doing it under compulsion. Verse 15. This perhaps is why he was parted from you. Are you hearing that phrase? He was parted from you. I almost skipped over it right at first. I got to be honest. What he was really saying is, you must understand, Onesimus was taken and removed from your house for a while. Sovereignty of God being spoken of. You must understand, Philemon, God's at work here. We're seeing a heart moved. Be very careful. Don't just look at this and say, punk. Look at this and say, what's God's plan? God parted him from you for a time. God at work. What could God possibly want to accomplish with allowing a slave to run away? Paul basically says, I got the answer. That, purpose statement, so that you might have him back forever. Heart, soul, and mind. That he might be with you forever. I want you to be so forgiving and so understanding that you need to grasp this is even going to benefit you. You get him back forever. There's value. But please hear this. I need you to begin to reflect that you understand God's involved. I need you to understand that forgiving and releasing from a debt owed. Now that's where it's all at. Did you know that if a slave runs away, the debt owed is death? That's it, just kill him. So right now, as Paul says, Onesimus, I have a plan. Go back to your master. What has he just said? Onesimus, I have a plan. It's time for you to die. Okay? And, and as everybody hears this plan, they're like, are you nuts? And he goes, hang on. I'm going to write a little letter with this thing. Okay? Philemon, please consider a few things. God's at work here. He parted Onesimus and he has come to know him. Please consider a few things you have experienced. Here's the challenge. He says right after it, not only will you have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. 
God's changed a heart. Consider that, Philemon. Let's not make this one of those, ah, just execute the law. Let's be done with it. Let's make this one of those, why would they do that so differently over there? Let's show off who Jesus Christ is. Where have we heard a story where we deserve death, but we were given life? Where have we heard a story where we have done wrong and gone our own way and, and what we deserve is immediate and yet what we get is forgiveness and a willing spirit? Where have we, what do you think, Philemon? Can you hear the gospel calling this? Please hear me. Remember what you've been forgiven of. Remember and execute that out around you in like manner. May we not be the one that ends up a dead end street on forgiveness lane. You know what I'm talking about? Like we get forgiven, but it doesn't go past here, babe. I don't do any forgiving. Forgiveness, yeah, it comes to me and then we're done. That's not where we should be. May forgiveness hit us and move through us. May it be our opportunity to turn outward and say, let me just demonstrate to you a little bit of who my Jesus Christ is. And we show them real, heartfelt, honest release of debt. Forgiveness. I'm not holding you accountable. I'm bringing you in. Now, don't hear me wrong. I didn't just say enable everybody. Okay? There's a big difference. They haven't changed a thing. They're going their own way. And in the midst of it, we're like, just keep giving to them. Just, just be giving and forgiving. Allow them to continue. That's not forgiveness. Okay? That is enablement. As we allow somebody to continue to run away on their own path, hurtfully so, hurtful to them, hurtful to those around them, those are the moments where we need to apply other scriptural passages, like Galatians 6.1. Step in with gentleness and yet with truth and share where they need to turn and run back to. We do need to come alongside, but in a very different way, with a firm, loving direction of the way God wants us to go. It's so important. This line is not subtle. It is a big deal. We do want to be a forgiving body and we want to be still honoring God and his truth. Let's go hard after who he is and let's forgive as we go. Well, what's forgiveness look like? Well, Onesimus is one who's turning and running back to God Almighty. May we help him on that run. Do you hear me? May we help him run right back to God. I mean, I got to be honest with you. There's times where as a pastor, it would be much easier to just say, you know what, whatever. It'd be easier. But instead, we step in and we need to be a part of it. And it's not just my role. It's, it's all of our role to be loving one another and helping each other see the truth. I got to be honest with you. As a person stands before me and simply says this, will you forgive me? I have a four second. It, it takes me no time at all to go, yes, let's get this thing on. If our goal is always about restoration, then it's easy to forgive. Amen. Do you hear what I'm saying? If our goal is about make them pay, then we have to think a little bit. You know what I mean? If our goal is to say, press it down on them, and then they come in and they go, will you please forgive me for what I've just done to you? I know I've hurt you with this. You're like, hang on. Got it. All right. Replan. And then we kind of re-engage. That's when we say, I'm sorry, I'm just going to need time on that. But when we're ready to just embrace right away, it's because the whole time we've been saying, I want reconciliation. And as soon as they step in and say, I want reconciliation, you go, me too. Do you hear what I'm saying? We need to be forgiving, ready to reconcile. We need to be forgiving, ready to release it at the foot of Jesus Christ, knowing that he's paid the ultimate penalty for us. How about we lavish that out on others too?
be forgiving. He goes a little bit further here. He says, I want you to know that it's actually got value to me. Verse 17. He says, so if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. You want to know how good it makes me feel? You treat him like you treat me. And I'm telling you, I'm good. That's what Paul's saying. Forgiveness really starts setting a tone all the way around the church. Do you know what I'm saying? As, as one party starts forgiving another party, maybe it's in your home. As one sibling begins to forgive another sibling regularly, as parents begin to forgive each other for what just came down in the house, as we all begin to model this forgiving spirit, there's a whole new feel to what's happening. It, it, it brings hope. It, it brings real hope that even if I mess up, things can still go well. That's what it's about. Created to love. First, he's calling us to be refreshing. Bring a health to what's going on. Now he's calling us to be forgiving. Bring a hope. Even in the midst of mistake, we can help turn things the right direction. Who is it that you need to forgive? Oh, he had to go there today. Who, who is it that's hurt you? Said some things they shouldn't have said. Done some things they shouldn't have done. Wounded you. How are you doing at trying to restore that relationship? Are you more about putting the thumb down and pressing on? Or are you more about trying to restore? Gently modeling the love of Jesus Christ. Coming alongside. Do they even know they hurt you? Maybe you need to go to Matthew 18 and take a first step of just letting them know. This hurt me, what went on. And, and I'd like to talk to you about it. Relationships are so important to who God is, to God himself. He wants you to experience the ultimate positive relationships with those around you. And it starts with honesty and forgiveness. Who do you need to be forgiving? Let's turn the tables a little bit. Who do you need to be saying I'm sorry to? Maybe you need to be in that boat too, where you're stepping over to someone and saying, I've been walking all over you. I've been disrespectful. I've been hurtful. I've been talking about you behind your back. I've been whatever. What's been going on that needs to stop? It's time to stop. And it's time to forgive. And it's time to release. And let's start running hard back towards our God. Let's start running hard back towards our God. Do you have those names in mind? We're not going forward till you do. <laughs> you got to have them. We got to be restoring. Okay. I'm seeing some heads that are like, yeah, I got it. And others are going, wait, you're talking to me? Okay. We need to be ready for this. All right. It's a big deal. It can hurt, but it is so restorative. So healing. First, we need to be what? What do we need to be? We need to be refreshing and refreshed. And second, we need to be forgiving. And third, we need to be sacrificial. Sacrificial. Stand in the gap for others as Jesus did for you. Sacrificial. Stand in the gap for others as Jesus did for you. Let's just start here in verse 18. Paul just says, If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. You hear that? Those are big words. 
at all. Anything. Give it to me. He's basically saying this. I want you to know I'm standing in the gap. I've seen this heart turn. I know he's running back to God. I know that he has a passion for God Almighty, and I'm willing to make anything good. I'll tell you this. It's probably appropriate that we read between the lines a little bit. Here's probably what's going on. Onesimus must have stolen some things, and Paul's got a little inkling of that. There probably was some cash flow problem or some property problem, and he's basically saying, I've got it covered. I've got it covered. As he says that, he's saying, you come talk to me about it. I want you to come talk to me. I'll stand in the gap as we go. He says here, charge it to my account. Then in verse 19, here's kind of the standard legal method back at that time. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. You know what I'm saying? So it probably got a lot more nasty looking. Like none of you could read my handwriting if you wanted to. I try so hard when we're writing these cards to print slowly. John always says, what does that say? I'm like, I don't know. I guess I was writing in Hebrew at the moment. You know, it's, I'm telling you, Paul's saying, look at this. This is my handwriting. Check it out. I'm telling you, I am going to make good on this. He goes one step further. I write it with my own hand. I will repay it. That's actually a legal statement that it was involved in a lot of documents at that time. Paul was basically saying, let's treat this like a legal transaction. You come to me. Do you understand? Philemon, I'm standing in the gap for him. You come talk to me. I will repay. This boy's good. We've got heart turn and I'm standing in the gap. Let's start helping him recover. Let's start running him towards Christ. Does this sound a little different than go ahead and kill him? Do you hear the difference? Paul is saying gospel-centered life will look different. The world will not understand, but this is how we must live. May we reflect who Jesus Christ is as we live with each other. The world will look at us and go, what was that? And we say, let me introduce you to Jesus, and then you'll understand. That is what we need to be about, the gospel-centered life. And as he pulls him towards this repayment idea, he says, by the way, speaking of repayment, to say nothing of you owing me, even of your own self. So Paul's kind of doing a little bit of the twist here, right? And he's saying, come on, Philemon, you know you already owe me a little bit. Start thinking about how that might be repaid too. Like if we're just going to talk debt, you got some. How are we handling this? Isn't that how we should be thinking of life? Jesus is saying, are you kidding me? I forgave you of all sin in your life and you're turning around and holding them accountable for that word they used with you yesterday that sounded a little disrespectful as you were walking out the door? Are you kidding me? Right? In that moment, that's, that's what you're going to elevate? Come on. Think of where you've been and think of what you've been forgiven of. Let's embrace the love that Jesus Christ has lavished on us and let's turn and let that pour out to those around us. May the repayment plan be what we're about. May the restoration plan be what we're all about. Come alongside of with love and faith, refreshing and forgiving and being sacrificial. May this become home where so many of us feel so safe and so cared for as we're restored to relationship with him. He says right at the end here, verse 20. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. You hear it come full circle now? We're back to refresh. We're back to refresh. You know, I was uh, watching a TV program a couple nights ago. I don't even remember what it was called. I was just kind of flipping around watching sports, and they went to commercial. So I flipped. It was about 11 o'clock at night. I'm getting ready to go to bed. And this moment occurred. 
where there was a tough thing going on in the school. And a, a woman was the teacher. Some of you are going to be knowing the name of it. A woman was the teacher, and she was working with these kids, helping these inner city kids to try to get their lives straight. And one of the kids steps up to read an essay. And he simply says, can I just read an essay to tell you where I'm at right now? And I'm, I'm looking at this inner city. I mean, it looks like kind of a gang kind of thing going on. I don't know. What's, and he says, I just want to tell you where I'm at as we come back to school this year after last year. And he reads a statement of how horrible his family life is going. His mother who just passed away. A challenge that's happening on the street where he's being challenged to get into drugs and everything else. Life is a train wreck. I can't even believe I have to get up and go back to school. I don't want to go anywhere near the place that took my mom's life. The place that's threatening my family. And then I remembered this English class. That you came alongside of us last year. That you challenged us. That you loved us. That you came to our house when we had needs. That you taught us how to care for each other. And in that moment, one of the big gang dude kind of guys steps forward, puts his arm around him. And the two of them just start crying. They found a place of safety. They found home. We have this choice. When we're refreshing, we bring health. When we're actually forgiving, we bring hope. When we're sacrificing, we make it home. May this place become a healthy, hopeful, sacrificial home as we walk one another towards the cross of Christ constantly. As we love each other towards Christ, we have a chance to be able to see God Almighty honored, thanked, and glorified repeatedly as we take arm in arm, as we lock arm in arm with those around us, some that are brand new to this place. You've been here a week or two. And some that have been here for months, some that have been here for years. Let's make this home. We have been created to love. We have been designed to reach out. We have been designed to model and honor our God and reflect his character. May we bring the truth of who he is, the forgiving, refreshing, sacrificial God of the universe. And may we live that out with one another coming alongside of each other, hurting with each other, crying with each other, lifting each other up, bringing health, bringing hope, bringing home. May we love like we've never loved before. May we honor like we've never honored before. May we show that the love of who Jesus Christ is, is alive and well in this body. Amen. The love of Jesus Christ is alive and well in this body. Amen. May we lift him up. As we experience him, let's show as we reach out to those around us, experience the living God and then share him like you've never shared before. Be refreshing, be forgiving, and be sacrificial. Are you ready to stand in the gap for someone? Take a look left, take a look right. Really do it. Take a look to your left, take a look to your right. You're probably sitting next to some people you know a bit. And some of you are like, actually, no, it's a little crowded in here. And I'm sitting next to someone I've never met. <laughs> We're going to be reaching out to those around us. And it's not just to the ones you know. We're going to be getting to know people we don't know. We're going to be standing in the gap. We're going to be refreshing, forgiving, and sacrificial all together. Welcome 
home created to love. There is no greater challenge, no better way to lift him up. How in the world are we going to do that? Just a lot of human power? Is that what we're going to do? We're just going to humanize this thing. Let's just go for it. No way. It doesn't work. This is it. You've got to experience the living God with all you've got. You've got to meet him face to face and then share him outward. He is mighty to save. He is mighty to change. He will be glorified as we lift him up. This place becomes a place who honors Christ as we lift him up. He is truly mighty to save. Let's lean on him with all we've got. And then let's look out so that we can have love and faith both for God and others.